Father, we thank you for this day that we can come and worship you. We thank you for um, your word. We pray that you would uh, press it to our hearts. We pray as we study your creation, and in particular, uh, the creation of us and our emotions uh, and our bodies, that you would um, help us to do so with humility um, and a fear of the Lord as the beginning of wisdom, and that we would seek your truth and your word uh, rather than the speculations of man. I pray that you bless this time, and in Christ's name I pray. Amen. So, just to recap our Untangling Emotions book that we are going through, um, we are in chapter four, I think, about uh, emotions in our bodies. And up to this point, we've sort of set the stage of um, trying to understand what emotions are and um, where they come from. And uh, last week, or maybe two weeks ago, we got an introduction to this idea of the uh, psychosomatic union. I really wanted to have a joke of a, a psychosumo, just to help stick it in your heads, a crazy sumo wrestler. But no, psychosomatic, soul and body, um, and you know, one is not you know, inferior to the other. God made us a soul, and he made us a body. And um, both of them interact together as we engage with our emotions and as they manifest in our beings and in our, um, as we go through our life. And we gave some examples of that, you know, when you have, when something physically irritates you, you get emotionally irritated. When you're emotionally irritated, you get hot and bothered physically. And so we're going to actually dive into some of that today and understand the implications and, and, and what that um, kind of means for us. And uh, the other key thing to remember uh, is that we, when we talk about emotions, and the reason, one of the reasons we're talking about emotions is because emotions demonstrate uh, what we value and how we value it. And it's important that we, uh, that we realize what are our emotions, whether they're happening in our heads or in our bodies or wherever they're happening and however they're happening, that they're demonstrating our value system and that our value systems are often broken and wrong and that we need to uh, work on sanctifying them. Um, just a quick example of Jesus in expressing emotion uh, both physically and um, mentally and how it demonstrated his value system was um, when he drove out the money changers from the temple, right? He acted with anger physically. He braided together a whip himself and then drove them out because he was angry. But he wasn't angry uh, in a sinful way. He was angry with a right motivation, right? He, he, his value system was as, as Psalm said about him, the zeal for your house shall consume me. He was angry that the Lord's temple was being profaned. Um, so that, that shows us that even the negative emotions, as we talked about, can be good. And that those negative emotions, as if they are coming from a right place of, a right motivation of valuing God and, and his word, um, can, can be acted upon correctly. Um, and then last week, David started started the untangling emotion process by first sort of showing us just how tangled they are, right? Um, we we're talking about how emotions do not come in single file. Um, even when they do, that's not always one motivation for them, but it's a com complicated mess. Um, it's hard to tell what we're feeling. Um, and in some sense, that's okay, and that's even good, because we live in a mixed up, jumbled up world. And so our emotions, ought to, uh, our right response to a mixed up, jumbled up world is going to be mixed up, jumbled up emotions. Uh, but we still need to seek to untangle them and understand them so that we can rightly use them to glorify God. Um, 
we need to discern our emotions so that we can uh, love the Lord our God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? Um, and so in this book, we're sort of moving now into beginning to do that engagement and that untangling process. Um, we'll start looking at um, you know, how to engage our emotions and then how to sort of nourish the healthy ones and starve out the unhealthy ones. Um, so the next two chapters, we're going to look firstly at emotions in our bodies and then emotions in our communities. So today we'll look at emotions in our bodies and we'll, um, you know, uh, well, and then after that, we'll look at uh, sort of the challenges of engaging our emotions and, and, and engaging specific emotions. That'll be in, in the weeks ahead. And again, it's the purpose of the whole, you know, the reason we're going through this book, the reason we're talking about this is to help us reveal what we value and conform our hearts and our minds to the image of Christ so that we can love God with all our hearts, soul, minds, and strength, right? Okay, so you have a soul and a body. It's a two-way interaction of emotions, right? Your soul affects your body, and your body affects your soul when it comes to our emotions. The book says when it comes to our uh, soul affecting our bodies, that our bodies often act as a billboard for how we're feeling and for our emotions. Um, I, I have to do a little nerd out moment for, real quick and talk about physically how, how one of the ways this happens. Um, there was a, a professor in 1960 who w went and studied all these remote tribes all throughout the world, looked at all kinds of different people with all kinds of different backgrounds, and found that emotional expression in the face is, of course, common to, to, to all people. And in particular, the most common were fear, anger, surprise, pleasure, disgust, and sorrow. They were universal to, to all people all throughout the world. Um, and then, kind of a nice thought, the most universal of all was the smile, um, which interestingly enough, is the only emotional expression that you can't really fake. You can fake it with your mouth. If you hold it too long, it starts looking creepy. Uh, because a real smile actually involves an involuntary muscle spasm in your eyes um, that, that you can't voluntarily invoke. Um, so that, that says something about our emotions, right, and the, how they're seated in our bodies, that, that God, who made our bodies and made them good, as we'll talk about, you know, created this, in, you know, intertangling between them such that what we value should manifest in even our involuntary impulses of our body, right? Um, so, yeah, so our soul affects our body, um, there's a couple ways, right? There's a couple different um, types, I guess. Uh, there's a bodily reaction to emotion. If we already feel angry, then that's going to, we're going to kind of react to that um, in terms of getting hot and bothered, right? Um, there's also a sense in which our body's actually going to act out emotions we didn't even know we had yet, right? Sometimes you maybe didn't even realize you were upset about something or you're happy about something until some physical trigger, right, where you realize I've been sitting here tensed up this whole time, and then some, suddenly someone is like, are you okay? You look, oh, yeah, I'm okay. Um, and so then the other way around, right, the body affects the soul. As we are uh, upset physically, or if, you know, if I stub my toe, that hurts me and I get upset. Um, so there's this two-way back and forth, right, of soul to body and body to soul. So rather than me just sort of waxing eloquent or, or failing to about all the ways that I think that's true, uh, I figured we should go look at scripture and see what it says about our body and soul interaction. So 
if you are so inclined to do some sword drills this morning, I'm going to speed run through Proverbs. Um, I will read them if you, you know, don't want to quickly go back and forth with me, but we'll start in Proverbs 3, uh, 5 through 8. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Okay, so if we trust and fear the Lord, if we have a right emotional seat in our heart, it will benefit us physically. All right, flip ahead, Proverbs 12, 18. I didn't practice this, so you guys go faster than I can. Um, Proverbs 12, 18 says, There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. And then, 1624 in the same vein is gracious words are like a honeycomb sweetness to the soul and health to the body so we see that good or bad words from others that are going to invoke good or bad emotions in us or maybe positive or negative emotions in us are going to you know physically affect us for good or for ill right um back in 1430 sorry i'm going to whip you back and forth a little bit we read that a tranquil heart gives life to the flesh, but envy makes the bones rot, right? So in this sense, moral and immoral emotions, good or bad emotions, that the ones we should or shouldn't have, are also physically affecting us. Um, 1722. This is, a, this is one of my memory verses as a kid. A joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Again, our emotions are affecting our bodies, right? Um, whether it's a good emotion or a bad emotion, a positive emotion or a negative emotion, um, those are gonna have impacts on our bodies. 1513 and 1630 and 1915, I'll just start at 15. We have that a glad heart makes a cheerful face. So our emotions are also going to manifest in our bodies. Not only is our emotions going to affect our bodies and how we feel, but they're gonna manifest, right? 1630 says, see, I'm flipping past it, there we go. Whoever winks his eyes plans dishonest things, right? So good and bad emotions. A happy person, you can see it on their face. So can, same with a dishonest person, you can see it on their face. Um, 1915. Um, this, this one, uh, slothfulness casts into a deep sleep and an idle person will suffer hunger, right? So we have a bad emotional posture. Uh, we're going to be, it's going to affect us physically. We're just going to sleep all day because we're, you know, lazy or, or, or we're upset about something and that's going to, you know, manifest in, in our, our energy. Um, Psalm 16, oh, we'll flip over to Psalms now. Um, we're back to Psalms. Psalm 16, 8 and 9. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. Right? In this case, the right orienting of ourselves towards God produces 
simultaneously this heart and soul and body emotion, right? That when we are trusting in the Lord, our emotions are manifesting in our whole being, right? We're, we're glad in our heart and we're glad in our flesh. We feel safe physically because the Lord is king. Um, kind of the flip side of that, Psalm 32, uh, verse 3 and 4. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. So in this case, you have that wrong, that sin has led to an emotional manifestation of, you know, distance from God and weariness and, and, and all throughout his being, right? Um, it's not just, oh, I, you know, feel far from God up here, but I feel far from God here, uh, that, that he's physically reacting to that emotional distance from God. Um, and we're actually singing well, there you go. I didn't plan that. <laughs> uh, Psalm 3510, we'll look at some you know, positive examples. 3510, um, or I maybe start back in 9. Uh, then my soul will rejoice in the Lord, exulting in his salvation. All my bones shall say, O Lord, who is like you? So our joy in the Lord should manifest physically, right? We're not just, praise the Lord. Right? Our, we, our, our bodies should be, all of our bones should be saying, oh, Lord, who's like you? And uh, 126, flip way ahead now, 126, 1 and 2. I could have just written these all down, but then we wouldn't get to do the fun flipping around. <laughs> when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. There's this, you know, almost like you're walking on clouds, right? You're, you're light, you're, you're, you're happy, um, you're, you're overjoyed um, because of the salvation of the Lord. And it's not just up here, it's here. I should have or organized this one better, flipping back a minute to uh, Psalm 47, verse 1. This uh, also should affect our worship, right? Psalm 47.1 says, Clap your hands, all you peoples. Shout to God with loud songs of joy. And uh, then 84.2. The sound guy's going to have a, a fun time editing out all the flipping on my mic. Uh, 84.2. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. So there's this, again, physical uh, longing for God and, and expression of our joy. And then uh, 95.6. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. You know, when we get to heaven and, and worship God face to face, we are not just going to stand there. We will, we will fall down and worship and, and bow down before him, right? Because our whole body will be expressing that emotion of joy and love to the Lord. And then one of my favorites that I say with my kids all the time at the end of Psalms, Psalm 150, uh, which is just this, you know, 
overflowing of praise to the Lord. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise him for this, praise him for that, praise him for this. And then Psalm 156, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. I think I've shared this before um, with my kids. I'll say, do you have breath? And their response is supposed to be, praise the Lord. And then they ask someone else, do you have breath? Praise the Lord. And we go all around, do you have breath? Do you have breath? Praise the Lord. And that ought to be sort of our attitude, right? That uh, I have breath. (laughs) Let me use it to praise the Lord. Um, And then, you know, I won't, uh, this is maybe the most uh, delicate passage I could have pulled out of Song of Songs, um, Song of Solomon, but just another uh, element of which, um, if I can flip my Bible correctly. There it is. You know, all of Song of Songs, right, or Song of Solomon is, is this, you know, emotional expression both mentally and physically of the love and and right desire that these two have for each other as they're approaching marriage and then and then beginning marriage Um, and it's this very very physical descriptions right Um, sorry song of solomon uh six five um this is the the famous your hair is like a flock of goats um, passage that all guys should should remember um, but but his his reaction to his seeing his bride is so physically overwhelming he says turn your eyes away from me for they overwhelm me right there's this physical reaction of that positive emotion of desire and joy and, and love uh, that it's physically affecting him so hopefully um, we can see from all of these that our bodies as created by God were created good God created them and the emotional expression that we can have in them is good. Um, a right communion with God, a right valuing of God, which will produce right emotions, which are sometimes negative ones, sadness or anger, um, but that will produce blessings in our bodies, and we can use our bodies to express those emotions. Um, again, good, and good here doesn't just mean that we're happy all the time, right? Uh, but even those negative emotions, you know, Jacob talked about, you know, uh, it can be good to feel bad. And, and what we're getting at there is that sometimes the right emotional expression, which should happen with our bodies, might be a negative emotion of sadness or anger. Um, but we can be rightly expressing those in our bodies, and that's not a bad thing that our bodies feel weighed down when we encounter sin or when we encounter something sorrowful or when something makes us angry. It's when, our, when something rightly makes us angry, it's not a bad thing that we have that adrenaline rush and that desire physically to solve that problem and, and, and make the bad thing go away, um, like Jesus did when he cleared the temple, right? Um, so let's look to see just you know, some more ways to we can consider that even though our bodies, which are racked with sin and the results of the fall, which we'll talk about in a minute, um, you know, Jesus also had a human body. He was fully man, uh, like us, in every respect, uh, without, except without sin. Um, so he had a psychosomatic union, right? He had a, uh, a body that was the result of the fall. He didn't have any sin in him, um, but he was sinned against, um, and he was, uh, you know, experiencing the sin around him. So uh, we've already talked many times about um, John 11, Jesus at the tomb of Lazarus, how he was both angry and sad, and how he wept, right? He had a physical reaction to that emotion. Um, Hebrews, multiple places, talks about how he's, he is like us. He is a, 
uh, equivalent. He's a, a legitimate high priest for us because he's just like us except without sin. Uh, we read throughout the Gospels that he had compassion on those he encountered. Um, for example, Luke 7, 12, um, he had compassion on the, the, the woman. Um, and that word, that word for compassion in Greek is like your, your core, your, your guts. It's this coming from the core of your being. It's not a, I see something sad. Okay, I guess I ought to feel sad about that because that's the right emotional reaction. I'm going to generate some sadness in my mind. No, it's this, a physical, immediate, impulsive reaction because because it's truly sad and pity is required. And then he acts on it, right? Um, we already talked about his anger at the money changers um, in, in the you know, garden uh, before, right before his crucifixion. He's in agony. He's sweating drops like blood. Um, the reality is Jesus, you know, had a thyroid gland and a pituitary gland and adrenal gland, and he had adrenaline pumping like we do and, and testosterone and a post-fall body with imperfect bodily systems. I'm sure that he had problems just like all of, we, all of us do uh, with his body and how it worked um, that affected him. Um, yet, here's our hope, right, is that he, while he can sympathize with our weakness in all respects, including our emotional expressions in our bodies and reactions, he's without sin. Uh, and we'll come back to that as our hope for our, um, you know, sanctification of our bodies and our emotional expression. Um, so unlike, well, in, in some ways like Christ's body, but, but even worse, uh, our, our bodies are corrupt and broken, not just by uh, the sin of others against us or the sin of the world generally, the effects of the fall generally, but even by our own sin. Um, you know, we can see this even just in, in Gethsemane where the disciples had this physical response to their emotion. What was their emotion that they had? They were depressed. And what, the, what was their physical response? Sleep. Right. And, and does Jesus say that was a good physical response or bad physical response? Well, uh, I think he was merciful. He was. Did he not stay awake? And the answer is no. <laughs> Certainly, yeah. So there's this sense that, you know, this, there was this engagement of their emotional, ex, you know, state and their physical expression. And it, they, in some sense, failed to stay awake, right? And, and that saddened Jesus. Um, and so, um, you know, I guess we'll, we'll consider some ways that our bodies and our emotional manifestations are broken um, and, and ways that they go wrong. Um, but first, I just want to address a couple, you know, extremes that we might fall into. So I guess what's our, what's our culture's take on our body? What do our culture say about our body and how we engage with it? Well, it gives us an excuse for sin. That's right. It, it uses an excuse for sin. Um, it is, is often trusted and validated without any exterior um, consultation, right? If I feel something, it must be okay because it's coming from my body. Um, and so what can, be, what can be our overreaction to that? Yeah. Right. And wh wh what might we do if we're trying to not be idolatrous of our bodies and we overreact and we go, the, go to the opposite extreme? Yeah. Yeah, we neglect them or we consider our bodies this, like, uh, unfortunate appendage that we just have to deal with. Um, and, and the sad thing is that can still lead to us using it as an excuse, 
right? I mean, how many of you said, I'm sorry I was grumpy this morning, I didn't get enough sleep last night, mm -hmm. right? Or I'm sorry I haven't had my coffee yet, right? Yeah, so there's, you know, our, our tendency in reacting to culture can sometimes be that we attribute nothing to our body or we just see the body as this thing we have to deal with and we don't realize that sometimes our emotional turmoil can be caused by physical challenges. Maybe you need to go see a doctor about something instead of just trying to muscle through something, right? Um, and we're, we're also, we're missing out on all the good that God has designed for us in our bodies, right? All the good, uh, you know, positive emotional expression, but also the ways in which we should rightly have negative emotional expression, right? Um, how are we supposed to rightly weep with those who weep if we're just like, ah, my body, I don't want to have a physical reaction to my sorrow, and I don't want to sit and cry with somebody. That's, uh, that's yucky. No, that's, you know, that's right, right? How are we supposed to rejoice with those who rejoice if all we can muster is sort of a, yay, good for you? Um, you know, we ought to be, we're, we're missing half of that psychosomatic union that God designed for us to use in, to his glory. Um, again, we can, we can then excuse sin, right? Because we're distancing ourselves from our body. We're not taking responsibility for it. Um, emotions reveal what we value. And it, just because something's happening, happening impulsively in our bodies or without our conscious decision to allow it to happen doesn't excuse it. it it's revealing our value system, right, for better or for worse. Okay, so let's look at some ways that our bodily emotional expression can malfunction. Uh, the book's got kind of three categories for this. Bodily emotional expression can malfunction by happening too quickly or too slowly, too long or too short, or too much or too little. So we'll go quick through this. What are some examples of, of too quickly, having a physical emotion reaction too quickly? Yeah. Yeah. Panic. Yeah. Yeah, someone cuts you off in traffic or you stub your toe. Um, you know, it's, it's not wrong to be frustrated that you hurt your toe or that somebody cut you off, but uh, when you immediately jump to anger at the kid who left the stool in the kitchen and didn't put it away like they're supposed to, or the guy who cut you off because, you know, they, they saw me, how dare they do that? Uh, that's wrong, right? It doesn't matter that that's just immediately jumping out of us. We can't say, oh, well, I sh you know, I had that, that anger response, but I I'm not going to sin. That already was sin, right? <laughs> um, it's a wrong physiological response. We, we need to be fighting sin uh, and, and training our body, body and soul, right, our, our whole being, to rightly respond. Um, I think just a, a little side note here. I think often when we're talking about fighting sin and mortifying sin, we can tend to only think about being responsible for or feeling guilty for those sort of conscious sins, those, those sins that we do d decisively and consciously. Um, and we're just like, we, we don't look at our bad habits that we've developed and how that manifests in our bodies and in our minds. And, you know, we, we want to excuse those because, well, that was just my body having a, a gut reaction to something. And, yeah, I need to make sure that I don't let it affect me. But that, that, that part wasn't wrong. It, yes, it was, right? It doesn't matter, you know, that, that we had it impulsively. Uh, what about too slowly? How, how are some ways we can sort of have a physical, emotional response too slowly? Or maybe even not at all? Sometimes we can try to be afraid of things. We mm -hmm. can try to be on to something. 
Yeah. Um, maybe we can forget to that later. <laughs> maybe in case we never have to deal with it. Yeah. We can just get the cost or take it down to scrap it now. Yeah. It's big enough that other things are not going to yeah. actually deal with what value this product right. brings into the into use. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of times that happens with those negative emotions, right? I don't want to have to feel that right now. But if it, if that's what's in front of you, then that's the right thing to feel. Um, I think about how you know, sometimes we can have a failure to rightly, where I talked about weep with those who weep, because we, we're not engaging with them enough to have that physical reaction. Maybe someone tells us something horrible that's happened to them, and we just don't feel sad. Maybe we're sort of feel a little like, oh, great, are they going to ask me to help with something, or do I have to do something now? But we don't feel, we don't have that gut reaction of sadness about the sad thing that was told to us, and that's, that's wrong. Um, Yeah, exactly. Um, and then the flip side of this, I mean, for me, in worship often, right, we will be too slow to have that physical engagement of our, of our whole being to rejoice in the Lord. Um, and that's, again, it's a wrong physiological response. Just because, uh, well, my body couldn't muster up the joy that day doesn't excuse the lack of, of, of joy, right? Um, you know, we need to be recognizing that and figuring out what what do I need to do what do I need to be spending more time meditating on or what do I need to you know how do how do I work towards developing that right reaction you, you think that's for for men and in any kind of leadership role where it's a husband father or church leader you think that's the hardest one we have I, I won't pretend to know what the hardest problem that you have is, but, but I think it certainly is harder, at least from my experience, for, for men to, to do the meditating and the heart work to consider um, a situation, whether it's consider Christ and the joy we should have in response to his saving work, or whether it's considering the body of Christ and the pains and things they're going through. And we tend to see problems as just, you know, problems that we can engineer a solution to instead of um, seeing the, the, you know, having the pity that Christ would have. Well, that's a perfect transition to the next part, which is that emotions can happen too long or too short. Yeah, certainly. And, you know, I'm, I'm going through three categories or dimensions, right? Quickly versus slowly, long versus short, much versus little. But really, it's never just one, right? It's if you're having too much, you're probably doing it too long and too quickly. And, and if you're, you're yeah. Well, I was 
Yeah, certainly. I think that's exactly being too slow to, to have an emotional reaction. Um, what's an example maybe of, of having an emotional reaction too long? You already talked about the, the hobbits. Um, I think maybe anger, right, and bitterness, um, stewing. Um, a lot of times we can even do that when the thing we were angry about was a legitimate thing to be angry about. Uh, but then instead of uh, going and addressing it however it needs to be addressed, whether that's telling someone their fault in love, whether that's forgiving and moving on, whatever it is, we just stew on it. And we like our anger, um, and we like to just replay the tape in our head. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, That's a great example, yeah, certainly, because we're not valuing Christ's work rightly. We're, we're overvaluing, you know, our guilt, weirdly. Um, maybe a little bit more sobering example of this that is, has more to do with how we've been sinned against would be things like a trauma or stress response, um, you know, years and years after some, you know, horrible incident or series of incidents, right? Um, you might have a physiological, you know, impulsive response to a particular tone of voice, a particular <laughs> smell, or even just a turn of phrase, ah, my dad used that phrase or something, right? Um, and, you know, you have this, you tense up, you get, you know, you get into fight or flight mode, or you shut down. Um, and, and in one sense, that is a result of others' sin against us in the past, and we can recognize that. Um, but in another sense, it can still end up where we're sinning, because either we're, maybe we're wrongly associating good things with the, with the trigger, uh, and then now we're having this, you know, anger response to something that's good, um, just because it reminds us of something different that was bad. Um, and, you know, w we have to be careful not to excuse our sin, right? We can, we can still be rightly angry at the sin that caused that reaction in us, but we can't allow that to let us indulge or excuse a, you know, a further wrong emotional response. Um, but I think it's helpful to realize that, that you know, you know we, we read the passage in Proverbs earlier that those harsh words has that physical reaction, right? So when we talk about you know, something like abuse, even emotional abuse could have this long-term physical effect on people. Um, and you know, that's, you know, that often goes, I think, undervalued or underappreciated by um, when we are overreacting to culture and we think, well, they're so obsessed with bodies and so obsessed with feelings and we don't, we don't want to talk about that. And so then when we hear someone maybe with a story or um, a testimony of, of being in a hard situation like that, of, of emotional abuse, we, we dismiss it. Um, and we don't have the mind of Christ and the heart of Christ to those people. Um, Real quickly, an example of emotional responses being too short in our body would be those bursts of joy or sympathy that then fizzle out. Maybe you really do feel sorry for somebody for uh, five minutes, and then you don't go and do anything about it. Or maybe you feel a burst of, um, of joy uh, at the work of the Lord, but then you don't let it carry you through the week, and you forget about it, right? Um, and those are things those where we can have that physical response, but then it just dies off. Um, or then we don't, we don't, 
um, maintain that physical stirring to energize us to do what God would have us to do in that moment. Um, too much or too little of a physical reaction. We talked about these a lot a little bit already because of um, how they connect to the others. But um, example of too much might be, you know, fear, depression, or lust. Um, again, sometimes these can be caused by other issues, other physical issues, um, and we need to recognize that, that our body is sometimes in that negative feedback loop of affecting our emotions, um, and we're not just going to, again, muscle our way through it. Uh, I'm just going to, you know, just not gonna, I'm just not going to be depressed anymore, um, right? Um, but, but recognizing that still that, that can be an example of having too much of an emotional response to something that it's not warranted. Um, too little would be kind of the opposite, that numbness, right? You're just burnt out. You just don't want to, as you talked about, Michelle, this, the, I just want to, I don't want to deal with that emotion. Um, and you either, and if you do that long enough, then you stop even having the emotion to stuff because you've been stuffing them so long that your body's like, well, I guess I'm not supposed to have these anymore. And you wrongly train your body to just go cold. Uh, and we have no or little physical reaction to anything, good or bad. Yeah. have to address the heart and gut problem, yeah. right? <laughs> said I have too many pages of notes. I'll try to blaze through this quickly. I um, just wanted to give one quick example that kind of sums up, you know, all of those categories. Um, and maybe it would be the, the wrong emotional uh, and physiological expression of lust versus the right one of desire. Um, oftentimes in our culture, and then sadly even in the church, there is a attitude towards physical lust that it is okay because it's natural and it's just happening in my body so as long as I don't act on it wrongly that's okay I mean Jesus just destroys shatters that notion when he talk when he interprets uh, the, the Ten Commandments to, you know to the, to the Pharisees right if you hate your brother you've murdered him if you lust after someone in your heart you've committed adultery you know it doesn't matter if it's happening here and then you say oh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I hate my brother but I'm not gonna go kill him or I'm lusting, but I'm not going to go do anything. So it's still wrong. Um, and similarly, if you have a absence of a right emotional reaction, right? If you, um, you know, ima imagine if a guy said to his wife, I "I'm sorry, honey. I just, I, I just don't. I'm not attracted to you anymore. And and that's not my fault because it's just not happening in here." Well, that would not be acceptable. That's wrong. <laughs> uh, you got to do something about that. You got to fix that, right? Um, and so that's, you know, too much and too little, too long and too short, right? 
um, both th those emotions. And I think that's hopefully a, a clear example where we're sort of, you're all nodding in agreement with me that that's obvious, but it's just as true for all of our other emotions, right? Joy, fear, sorrow, anger, pity. When we have too much or too little, for too long or too short, too quickly or too slowly, that's not good. And it's a result of our sin or, or someone else's or the fall generally, and there's a right thing we should be aiming for. And just because it's happening in our body doesn't excuse it. We must discipline our body and our whole being, right, to have right emotions. I mean, Jesus says, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off, right? So, and that ought to be our attitude towards a, a, an incorrect bodily response, emotional response, right? First Corinthians says, our bodies are members of Christ, and our bodies a temple of the Holy Spirit. You're not your own, for you're bought with a price. So glorify God with your and in your body. Um, some really quick practical applications. Remember our goal, glorify God in our body. We're untangling our emotions in order to assess what we value, to nourish right emotional expression, and starve unhealthy expression in both our body and soul. Um, we need to realize that that body-soul interaction is happening all the time, right? Even in the background. Um, and, you know, maybe you've, you feel like you're in a good mood, and then all of a sudden some tiny little thing happens, and you just snap. You're like, where did that come from? Well, that's that background body-soul interaction, right? That maybe you, had, you realized that you were tense, or maybe you, you know, can't uh, have an emotion, a right emotional reaction of joy because, you know, you've got some throbbing pain in your arm. Um, Again, um, you are, realize our culture is overemphasizing the role of the body, and we can't use biology as an excuse for our sin. Um, you know, this quote from the book uh, says, you know, no matter, um, you know, your body's the vehicle through which the passion of your soul flows. And no matter how much we come to understand the biology of our brains or our bodies, we still need to always wrestle with our emotions as expressions of what we love. Um, we have to understand how our bodies are affecting our soul and vice versa. If we want to glorify God in our body, we have to make changes, right? We have to think practically. Maybe we need to change our sleep schedule, right? Maybe we need to sleep more. Maybe we need to eat different. Maybe we need to drink less. Maybe we need to stop taking this psychiatric drug because it's numbing us. Or maybe we need to start taking some medicine for some physical affliction that's instead of just trying to you know, muscle through it, right? Whatever it is, whatever that change or probably series of changes is, we need to understand that our bodies are going to affect our emotions, but um, it, they're also going to act them out. And if our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, we should not stop that pruning until we've cleared the temple like Jesus did. Um, finally, don't, don't despair. Maybe your body is especially racked with disease, or trauma, and the task of wrestling with emotional expression in your body to better glorify God seems especially daunting. Remember this. The Lord God made your body. Your broken body can't stop his transforming grace. Your great high priest knows your frame and sympathizes with your weakness. Consider him who for the joy set before him endured the cross and endured such hostility against himself that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. We can run the race with endurance, looking to Jesus. Tim, would you pray for us? Sure.